Good evening, everybody. We've been uh, taking some Sunday evenings about every other month. Got uh, a little off schedule this month for a reason. Um, but uh, we've been taking the time to look through this prayer of the Lord's that he offered as a model for us to, to pray in Luke 11. If you would like to open up to Luke 11, I'd like to read it again just to reacquaint us with it. Just very short, of course. And then uh, have a few words about one of the phrases that the Lord used. Then Anthony will uh, share some words from, from another phrase. How quickly I've been forgotten as one of the preachers here. It's... Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So we've been breaking these phrases down, and uh, where we're at tonight uh, is the verse 4, second phrase, but it's linked to the first, where Jesus said to pray to the Father in heaven to forgive us of our sins. There's an interesting joiner after that, and he says, for we also, Matthew has it, Matthew has it, even as we also, or as we also. Uh, forgive those who are indebted to us. So when you pray to the Father for forgiveness, isn't this interesting? There's an assumption being made here that we wouldn't ask God to forgive us of our sins if we weren't willing to take what we had learned from his teachings and applied it to those who sinned against us first. There's an implication here. It's, um, uh, it's an assumption that the disciples have been listening to Jesus' teachings, but not only listening to them, listening with the intent to do them. Jesus is assuming this. So I'm looking at the relationship first of teacher and student. Anthony's going to look at rabbi-disciple from the next Verse, do not lead us as a rabbi with his disciples leads into temptation. But this is just simple implication that you have been instructed to forgive others. You've followed the Lord in his ministry. You've heard him teach the parables on forgiveness. The parable of the unforgiving steward who was forgiven his debt when he was thrown into prison and and begged for mercy, and, and, and he was released from his debt, but then he went out and demanded that the one who owed him pay him immediately, and beat him and had him thrown it right. They've heard these things. So Jesus says, interestingly, when you pray to the Father, ask him to forgive your sins as you yourselves forgive the sins of those who sin against you. As if to say... <clears throat> There's two ways that we can be a student. One as 
listening for information, to, to learn more, to know more, and, and we can use that information for the second, and that is to listen for transformation. So information leads to transformation, and you can listen in, in one of those two ways. If you listen for transformation, personal transformation, you listen with your heart. And you can't sidestep listening for information. The two have to go together. But it is possible to listen for information and not transformation. Oftentimes, we might listen for information and immediately start thinking about all those people that we hope are listening to this lesson right now. Or all the people that we think we might go out and somehow subtly or crudely hammer over the head with this information. See, that's listening for information. I can learn something and think to myself, hey, that's a great little nugget to add to my, my library. Um, and, you know, I, I, can, I can think of some ways to use that. But Jesus doesn't, he doesn't teach his disciples to just listen for information. He wants them to listen so that, as Paul said, they can be transformed by the renewing of their minds that they may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. So listen with your mind, your head. It's got to come in the ears or if you're reading it comes in the eyes, right? It processes. But Jesus wants it to sink down into the heart. And so it's implied here that those who pray should pray as learners, but are you ready for this? Prayer is transformational. So you're listening with the intent to transform your life, and then prayer is brought in as the very essential way that you address God for help from on high to make it happen. You're, you're calling to be spirit-led, essentially. That, as Paul said in Ephesians 3, that, that we might be strengthened with might in the inner man by a spirit. By a spirit who dwells in us. Prayer is the way that you take that information with your will to be transformed and you ask for God's help to transform. He may give you insights. He may put people in your life. He may give you outlets to practice your transformation. But we've got to listen with the heart and the mind, with the head, to be truly transformed. So I want to encourage you tonight with that, not only as a student, but as someone who is realizing that these two things go hand in hand, to receive the word of God and then to beseech his help to become the person that you need to be. Those two things go, go hand in hand. Study, prayer, transformation. So I'll allow uh, Donovan to lead a few more songs along these lines, and um, we'll worship God. Good evening, church. You know, a title that somebody is given and somebody wears only has significance if that title is really honored. 
Um, you can call somebody coach, you can call somebody officer, you can call somebody teacher, you can call somebody sir or ma'am, but if in your heart and in your spirit you don't really honor the title or the position that that person now is holding in title, then that relationship's not gonna have the kind of weight or significance that it's supposed to have. So you could technically call somebody teacher, coach, officer, sir, ma'am, but if we don't necessarily respect or honor that person um, and the role that they're fulfilling, we won't be led by them. One of the titles that Jesus was given frequently in the New Testament is the title of teacher, as Matt pointed out, rabbi. He was called rabbi by a lot of different people. Some people called him rabbi um, respectfully. Some people called him rabbi, um, you know, sarcastically or maybe, maybe snark, in a snarky manner, testing him. Um, some people called him rabbi, kind of questioning him. And one of the things we see, I want to show you a story in, Matt, in John chapter 1 um, about the fullness of this title, rabbi. Now the line in the uh, prayer that I'm covering is when Jesus said that particular line, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. The desire to be led by somebody other than yourself is the position of the title that Jesus is longing to hold in your life because what he wants to do is lead you to a place that's best for you. Even if you don't know where that place is and how to get there. Um, that's the fullness of this term, rabbi. So in John chapter 1, there's this story in verse 35. A couple times the, the Pharisees have come to John the Baptist and asking who he was. They want to know if he's really the Messiah. And he says over and over, I'm not. And in chapter 29, Jesus comes by and John says, look, there is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. In verse 35, it's the next day after John says that. And it says the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And when the Apostle John is using this language about those that were standing next to John the Baptist, he's referring to two people that respect and revere John the Baptizer as a teacher, as a leader, and as one that they are following, not just instruction, but their entire life is submitted to him. So these two are disciples of John. In verse 36, the apostle says, and he looked at Jesus as Jesus walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following and he said to them, what are you seeking? This is really important. Pause for a moment. Look what Jesus does. Um, now, naturally, you would think this is kind of the reaction Jesus wants, right? He, he came to seek and save the lost. Um, the phraseology we oftentimes use is we ought to be followers of Jesus. We ought to follow Jesus. You should go follow Jesus. And, okay, we've got a couple people now. Here's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, and two people are following him. And you might anticipate Jesus being a little bit maybe warmer with them. He turned around and sees a couple people like, oh, right, here's a couple, man. Let's add, a, let's add a few to our list. This is exactly what I want. I want followers. And he turns around and he asks them this question. What exactly do you want in your following of me? Why are you following? You see, what Jesus is cutting to the chase with is this. You can, with your mouth, call me Lamb of God. 
you can call me rabbi, you can call me teacher, you can call me, you can call me a lot of things, but I want to know why you're following me. Why? What are you seeking? Now look what he says. What are you seeking? And here's what they said to him. Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now why does that matter? Why do you think it matters for them? To, like, it's kind of a weird um, exchange, isn't it? Jesus turns around, a couple of people are following him, and he says, what do you want? Why are you really following me? What are you looking out? What are you seeking? And they say, Rabbi, we want to know where you're staying. Why does that matter? You see, these two were already convinced from the testimony of John the Baptist that he wasn't just a smart guy, that he wasn't just a religious instructor, that he wasn't just someone that they should contemplate, consider, and evaluate the things he has to say, whether they're good or bad. You see, that's what Jesus was cutting to the chase. He's saying, are you in or are you out? Following or not following? And as they begin to follow, Jesus says, what are you seeking? They call him rabbi, which means we're all in. Where are you staying? I'm coming to live with you. You see, when they, they knew in this time, and we don't use... Um, this system, nor do we really use these words anymore, but if you were to apprentice or um, to have a rabbi and a disciple type relationship, you would literally live with that person, dress like that person, eat the same food as that person, and eventually look like that person. And the role of the rabbi was to lead that young life into the paths of righteousness, the right way of living. And so if you made a commitment to a rabbi, you were all in you're saying listen okay this is the one I'm gonna hitch my wagon to so to speak I'm counting on him to lead me to the right place in the right way so when Jesus taught us to pray lead us not into temptation what he's saying is who are you going to hitch your wagon to to follow in this life to lead you to where you think you should go who are you gonna do it and what he's suggesting is that we ought to pray to the Father help us hitch our wagon to you so that we are led by you to out of temptation into righteousness. And look how Jesus answers. They say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Meaning we want to come be with you. We want to live with you. We're all in. And he said to them, I love this, come and see. He didn't say like down on 4th Street. He didn't say, oh, you know, like with the Joneses over here, I'm staying there right now. He didn't tell them where all they were going to go, did he? He just said, come and see. You see, even in this moment where they were committed to him as their rabbi, which means they were going to follow him wherever he led, he still left room for faith. He still put the, he left the space for them to exist with him in trust and relationship. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you say, lead us, Lead me not into temptation. In the fullness of that sentence, what you're saying is, you are my rabbi, meaning I will lay down my life at your feet. I will allow you to instruct me in all things because I don't trust myself anymore. I trust you to be the one to shape, guide, and mold my life away from temptation and into the green pastures of righteousness. I trust you to do that. And in doing so, we're saying to him, where are you staying? Meaning, I'm coming to live with you. And here's how he often responds. Fair warning. You're going to have to come and see. Meaning you're going to have to keep walking. 
When we say to Jesus, I lay down my life and you're the one I want to follow, you are my rabbi, not just my uh, counselor, my instructor, well, he's all those things. You're the one that I'm going to dress like, eat like, and look like so that I can follow you into paths of righteousness. He's going to oftentimes look at you and say, okay, are you going to follow? What are you looking for? When you say I'm all in, he's going to say, and you say, okay, where do I go? What does this look like? Oftentimes you won't have clarity the moment you make the conviction that you're all in. He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. Remember Psalm 23, how does it start out? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. What's that mean about us? Do we know where they are without Him? You don't. And you and I should at least be willing to be humble enough to say, we need a rabbi. Because I don't know where the paths of righteousness are. We've got to be humble enough to say, rabbi to him. And when he says, what do you really want? And we say, you're our rabbi. Where are you staying? And he says, you've got to come follow me. At that point is, do you trust him or do you not? And that's why I think the prayer is so important. When we say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's why that prayer is so important. Because we need help to lay down our will to let him be our rabbi. Let's sing a few songs about him being our teacher, our instructor, our leader, and really, really reflect on, have I laid my life, my whole life down to be led by him, or am I, am I still kind of trying to direct it and just consult with him occasionally when things don't go right? What relationship do you have with him? What are you really seeking? So Jesus said, come and see. Where did that journey end? We just sang about it at the cross. Now think about it, making that commitment to him as, as a student, as a disciple, and following him who had no place to lay his head and seeing his perfect righteousness but being made fully aware of your own and coming to the point where you're at the foot of the cross in, in his death. Jesus said, pray to the Father that he not lead you into temptation. And then when we look at James chapter 1, he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. So how does that temptation occur? When you're following Jesus, how do you wind up in temptation? James said in verse 13, 12 and 13 of his first chapter, he said, let no, no man say that, that God tempts anyone. God does, tempt, does not tempt any man. He said, but each one is drawn away, is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, I notice how he goes back to what we've been talking about tonight. In verse 19, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore... Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness 
the implanted word. Listen, listen with your heart. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Why? Because discipleship leads us to the cross. This one who endures temptation is the one who is going to continue to follow Christ through his sinfulness and his temptations and his trials. The one who endures temptations is going to be rewarded when James said, be, be swift to listen to the word of God and don't forget it like somebody who would forget what they looked like if they turned around from the mirror and walked away. Don't forget it. Your discipleship will lead you to the foot of the cross where you're looking at the man who said, come and see where I'm staying. Come and see where I'll lead you. And he led them to the foot of the cross where the sin that was a result of their own leading into temptation not God, not the master teacher and shepherd and rabbi, but when you weren't discipling but going astray, you'll find yourself, if you endure, in a place where you can be forgiven of your sins. Endure through the destructive nature that we bring upon ourselves until you see the face of Jesus on the cross. And then, through death, through death will come life. And where is he now? Come and see, right? Where is he now? He's in heaven. He's in heaven calling us homeward. But we must endure as disciples, go through death with him, and then we will enter into the place where he is staying. Then we'll find where he's staying. Isn't that neat? Going through death, that's what this pool of water is. God wants us to, to have this as a, as a symbolic act of something very real that's going on within us, that we are willing to die to our sins and stay on course as disciples and in a very real way, God looks down at the sinner who dies like this and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. Praise his name. Thank you for leading us in great choices of songs, Donovan, and songs of praise um, for your heartfelt singing and leading me in it and letting me enjoy it with you. Uh, what, a, what a tremendous what a tremendous thing that God has given us in worship, true worship and heartfelt worship. Receive the implanted word to the salvation of your souls. If you haven't yet done that and you need to become a disciple, tonight is the night. Let's do that. We'll take care of that as we sing this invitation. Let that need be known, and then we'll be able to commune with you afterwards in the partaking of the Lord's Supper. Let's stand and sing.